0: This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own.
1: And now, here's your host.
2: Good evening, everybody. Hey, it's Pete, the Masonic Late Podcast. We're here for episode number 107.
3: (gasps) 107. 107! 107!
4: Can't believe
3: it! Haven't been arrested yet. Oh
2: wow! Wow, Tim, you're real excited. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so on tonight's inter- episode, we're doing it kind of out of order. We did the um, we actually interviewed Toby Hansen from The Odd Fellows uh, a couple weeks ago, but that's going to be this episode. Um, so we're going to get back to our normal nonsense. Larry, what have you been up to for the past couple of weeks?
4: Well, not a whole lot, and as you know from the pictures today, I missed the goose and gridiron, so that's pretty much it. Uh, Zero,
2: nah. Larry, you have one thing that you do, <laughs> and you didn't do it.
4: <laughs> yes, but I've been faithfully attending Tall Cedars.
2: Well, thank you for thank you for your support. Nice. Um, and Jack, you you faithfully attend Tall Cedars, but you're not going to be there for the ceremonial. So I still can't give you a pyramid.
3: I, I've been a member for two years, and I've been complaining the whole time about not getting a pyramid. And then you, they finally schedule it, and I'll be out of town with family for Thanksgiving. So oh. yay me! <laughs> so, I, I can. I'll, I'll bring. I'll bring the DVD over. <laughs> I can't even complain about it now because it's my own fault. So whatever.
2: <laughs> Anyway, so what have you been up to? You you brought chocolate to our last uh, Tall Cedars meeting. That was nice. I, Thank I you. I
3: did the the junior senior night, uh, and James reached out to Intermezzo by Stephanie for some appropriate chocolates, and I hope everybody enjoyed them. They were it was a lot of chocolate. Um, but um, that, was a, that was a fun time. And then since then, we've had extra meetings and stated meetings. We just had a stated meeting uh, this week, our November meeting, as it were. And that's always veterans and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. what's exciting for me is I'm meeting again with the candidates because they're starting to get take their degrees. And that's really my that's my thing. I love meeting with the guys and sort of peeling back the layers and explaining what, what things, you know, mean and how to how to see symbols really in life all the time. You know, we're surrounded by them all the time and we just, we don't even notice them. And these guys are just really excited and, and I'm excited for the craft because of it. So that's the big thing. We're actually, uh, we're, we're calling this the, the deep, the, what is it? The deep fake episode. Because we recorded it three weeks ago, and half of us aren't here or won't be here, and and half of so us that are here weren't, weren't, yeah. Weren't and Jack and I are, for the are big, here, but so, we were here for the interview, right? Yeah. So no one will know who is or wasn't there, but not there. So it's kind of like Josh is gonna, Josh is gonna pull it all together, like like some kind of NSA thing. It'll be awesome.
4: Kind of like going to the moon.
3: Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Yeah, deep, deep moon landing. (laughs) This is our moonshot episode.
2: Yeah, Josh, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, How's the Masonic Center doing?
5: Uh, I think it's it's doing better. Um, I was notified that we can, I guess, hold some some lodge meetings in the auditorium on the second floor. Uh, I guess that's where the Scottish Right does their thing. But um, you know. We have already arranged to, to have our meetings with at Millersville through December, so I think we're just going to stick it out there.
2: So you mean having 10 people in a 15,000-square-foot auditorium isn't appealing to you?
5: Well, I mean, I, I don't even know if it would be 10 people, but no, <laughs> it's not.
3: It's the 20-square-foot uh, elevator that's the problem, Pete. i <laughs> <laughs>
4: will
3: be... They'll all be licking the numbers on the elevator door. And then who knows what happens after that.
4: You need to, well, talk, to, I'll, I'll, you need to talk to Jeff Moyer about the elevator. He's got a story.
3: No, I
2: well, bet he there's does. A, <laughs> there's, a, there's a rumor that I made eye contact and I will be on the board of directors for Goodwin Council for the ensuing Masonic year beginning on St. John's Day next. So oh,
4: Good for you. Good
2: for you. I'll be able, So I'll be able to give some updates of the Cummings and, goings of what's going on there. That's
4: good. That's good. This is good news. Progress. Um, Yes. So let
2: me see what is going on with me. Uh, Tall Cedars. Um, This may not be a big deal for most of you out there in the Masonic world, but, you know, it's a different world when you become the secretary of an organization. So I was grand tall Cedar last year and I was blissfully, blissfully stupid until I became scribe, and I got the books. And I realized that we had $50,000 laying around earning .005% interest. Uh, So I'm happy to report that uh, it took about six months, but we finally have gotten this money invested into an interest-bearing account. And so for the past couple weeks, I've been working on the newsletter, and as far as grotto goes, I'm president of the Pennsylvania Grotto Association and I'm working on our event that's gonna be in April. You're all invited, grotto or not, you'll be grotto when you leave.
4: <laughs>
3: so yeah, that's it. So hey, let's you'll take be a- grotto when you leave. Is that an adjective now? You'll be grotto when you leave. What, what about what about Tim? Tim, what have you been up to?
6: So, since our last episode, we um, really haven't done a whole lot masonically. On uh, the 2nd of October, uh, Eureka West Shore Live's number 302 in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, held its or excuse me its November stated meeting. Um, we had about 25 guys show up. Um, that's been about our average since we've uh, returned after COVID. Uh, had a good fellowship meal before and uh, great program. Um, and really, the only other thing is the Valley of Harrisburg has begun rehearsals in the gear up toward a actual face-to-face reunion coming up. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but I've been doing that, uh, again, just helping a couple secretaries secretaries uh, set up their online due systems. Um.
2: Tim, you've been busy. That's crazy. Wow, that's
3: a busy schedule. Holy cats.
2: Nice. Oh, I'm glad you're allowed out. So... So hey, uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by our Patreons. Uh, We'd like to thank all you guys for sending us money monthly. Uh, It it will go to good use. Uh, Josh has me on the horn right now for replacing these crappy microphones that we're using at home. And so guys, if you didn't know, we're all going to be getting brand new Shure microphones soon. And then they'll also work when we go to the studio later. So that's pretty exciting. And then,
3: we'll, and then we'll be able to put together a traveling bag so that when we go out on, uh, on remote, we can actually have a decent recording. Because we
2: love On to tour, record. when we're on tour. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you can visit slash um, Masonic Light Podcast and for as little as how much, Jack?
4: A dollar a
3: month. One dollar. 1. Little is $1 a month. $1 a
4: month. People. Now we hope people. we hope you'll do more,
3: but that's it.
2: That's like $12 a year. That's less than a craft beer from you what you guys with a beard drink.
3: So you flush more than that every month. So come on people. Pony <laughs> up. <laughs> uh
2: well, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Toby Hansen. Toby
4: Hansen.
2: That, that Toby guy. Hansen. Toby Hansen. Toby He's from the Left Coast, and he is the grand musician, or the supreme grand musician, some sort of shenanigans for the international organization of Oddfellows and uh, the Oddfellows. So we'll be right
4: back. Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning, to materials, to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience, second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, tonight, uh, Larry and I are going to do an interview with Toby Hansen of Graham, Washington. He is the sovereign grand musician of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Uh, we uh, know a little bit, but not so much about the Odd Fellows. So, uh, uh, Toby, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. We are thrilled
1: to have you here tonight. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Odd Fellows? Okay. Well, to start out, uh, I've been a member for 20 years now. I was initiated July 13th, 2000. Uh, I joined Ballard Alki Lodge number 170 in Seattle. And uh, from that point, uh, as one of my uh, mentors in the organization said, advancement was very rapid. So uh, within about Eight years, I became Grand Patriarch of the Grand Encampment of Washington, Uh, and then just in 2019, I completed a term as Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Washington. And then after that, uh, I quickly got noticed at the Sovereign Grand Lodge level because of my musical abilities. Uh, I play both piano and accordion professionally, and so I had served many years as the Grand Musician of Washington. So then in 2019, I was installed as Sovereign Grand Musician oh. of the Sovereign Grand Lodge of the Independent Order of Oddfellows. So wow. in 20 years, I've had quite a meteoric rise as far as that goes.
0: <laughs> wow, that is quick.
1: So what, uh, what drew you to the Oddfellows? Well... I really didn't know much about Odd Fellowship in the beginning. Uh, I went to college in Seattle. I attended Cornish College of the Arts, and I graduated in 1998. Once I graduated, I lost that kind of uh, peer group of people that I saw and hung out with, talked to, socialized with. I was looking for something that could kind of replace that. Well, I happened to do uh, a business meeting with a couple of other musicians in Seattle one of whom was an odd fellow at the end of the meeting uh, after we had concluded all the business he said you know i belong to an organization and you sound like the kind of person who would be a good member uh would you like an application i said sure uh and so he told me a little bit about the odd fellows there was a lodge in seattle they had a nice hall um, it was available if I needed a place to do rehearsals or performances, I said, Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. So I filled out the application, gave him my initiation fee and, uh, brother Vern Eck took my application and then he sat on it for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so June of two thousand, uh, June of 98, he took my application. He didn't get it into the lodge for two years uh, in spring of 2000, he finally delivered it to the Lodge. The secretary called me up and said, yeah, I, uh, I have this application here from two years ago. Do you still want to join? And by that point, I said, well, of course I want to join. I've waited two years to hear anything <laughs> back from you. So I definitely want to join. And so they got me in, did the interview committee, Lodge voted on the application. I was approved. And so I was initiated on There's July 13th two thousand. 2000. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, I went out and said, oh, I need to find an organization to join. Uh, someone who spotted me said you would be a good odd fellow. And he proposed a membership to me. And that's how I wound up as an odd fellow so
0: when the when this person said to you, "You seem like a good odd fellow
4: what
0: think <laughs> yeah,
1: that
4: right, Mike what my thoughts yeah you know, what what does what does that mean <laughs> yeah.
1: well, being somewhat unusual uh, both as a professional musician and one who plays the accordion, which is not an instrument that you encounter a lot, I'm used to being called an odd fellow, uh-huh, but when he When he said, I belong to the Odd Fellows, I think you'd be a good member of that. I said, okay, so what do you do? And this is always uh, the point of contention for a lot of members, because nobody really knows how to describe Odd Fellowship on its own. The shortcut answer is, we're kind of like the Masons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Most people go, oh, so it's spooky and you run a secret world government. And I have to say, well, actually, no, there's nothing spooky. There's no secret world government. There's just a lot of jello with shredded vegetables in it. <laughs> but, you know, when he first told me about the Oddfellas, he said, it's a charitable charitable group we raise money for things we meet in lodges the original idea was mutual aid you know it's everybody getting together pooling resources and helping everybody out and i thought you know that sounds very useful uh and so basically with that skeleton outline i decided to sign up and join cuz i figured the worst thing is i i join it i go to it i don't like it and then i don't go back so that's, it wasn't really exactly the best sales job for Odd Fellowship, but it was enough to get me interested.
0: So the only thing I knew, I guess, prior to tonight, um, and I guess talking to a couple of folks recently about the Odd Fellows, growing up, there was an Odd Fellows home uh, near where I lived. Um, and again, I didn't know what that meant. Um it was kind of like the question I asked you a minute ago. Um, you know, I guess in some ways we're all a little bit odd. Yes, uh, but uh, it was only later in life that I understood that they were a fraternal organization. So, if um, and again, you you kind of answer this in the sense of what is Odd Fellow? What is Odd Fellow Fellowship? Um, if someone were to say to you, "What are the best reasons for being a member of the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows?"
1: I would give you three reasons. Uh, The first reason is that, uh, as you guys know, belonging to a lodge connects you to your community in a really kind of specific way. Uh So it it puts you in contact on a regular basis with other people who are working, doing things in the community. So that's one thing. Uh, Another thing is that the philosophy of Odd Fellowship I feel, is very ennobling for humanity. Um, You know, in Masonry, you're familiar with the concept of making good men better. Mm -hmm. Well, in Odd Fellowship, we have kind of a similar idea, and it's to uplift and improve the character of mankind. And the way that we do that is by our degree lessons, where we teach the ideas of friendship, love, and truth. And as we go through a very fractious world that we seem to have today, uh, I find myself referring back to those lessons on a regular basis to say, hey, as an odd fellow, how should I approach this situation? That helps me to really have a sense of how to deal with difficult situations. The third answer that I would give to that is that odd fellowship. Does a tremendous benefit in the communities where we still have lodges. So, just like a lot of Masonic lodges have specific projects that they support on a local level, Oddfellow lodges do the same thing. So, uh, in my associate lodge, which is the one I'm visiting tonight, Buckley number 75. Uh, We make very sizable donations to the food bank every year, and we tend to do our donations during the off times. Everybody thinks about giving to the food bank in the fall leading up to Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, but not many people are thinking of the food bank in July. So we tend to give them chunks of money in the off season when it really helps them get by. So I think those are really, for me, the three compelling reasons for Odd Fellowship. Okay. Um, How many Odd Fellows are there? That's a good question. Um, I haven't seen recent numbers from the Sovereign Grand Lodge because we didn't have a Sovereign Grand Lodge session this summer. Roughly about 600,000 in the world. Okay. In the world.
0: And are they, I take it, in many, many different countries then?
1: I think the the current estimate is 29 countries around the world. Right now, our biggest area of growth is in the Philippines. Uh, About 20 years ago, just at the time that I was joining, there was a group of young people in the Philippines who were looking for a way to provide some community services. They happened to find the odd fellows. Sovereign Grand Lodge sent a delegation over to the Philippines, met with them, initiated them, and conferred the degrees. They formed a lodge in 2001. And at last count, uh, I just uh, saw a post from the Grand Lodge of the Philippines on Facebook. They're up to 25 lodges in the Philippines in less than 20 years. Wow. Okay. That's
4: pretty good. You guys, yeah. uh, one of the things I noticed, Toby Joe, you allow, you allow women in your fraternity. That's right, correct? We do. Unlike the Masons. Okay.
1: Well, it's, it's a different way than uh, how women are incorporated into the constellation of Masonic groups. You know, obviously there's Eastern Star, uh, which mm-hmm. is primarily for the the relatives of Masons. But in Odd Fellowship, uh, we took a little different approach. Uh, Originally, we had basically the same idea as Eastern Star with the Rebeccas. Uh, Originally, to be a Rebecca, you had to have uh, a familial relation to a third-degree Odd Fellow, and there had to be a third-degree Odd Fellow present to open a Rebecca Lodge. Over the years... As the status of women and their participation in society has changed, the Rebecca degree changed such that it really became a very independent auxiliary. So you didn't have to have a third degree odd fellow to open a Rebecca lodge anymore. Uh, Women could have all of the leadership positions in the lodge uh, all the way up to the Rebecca assembly for each state or province where women basically ran the show for themselves. Well, starting in 2000, uh, looking at the demographic trends, the Sovereign Grand Lodge said, you know what? For many years, it's been possible for Odd Fellows to join Rebecca Lodges. Why don't we open it up so Rebecca's can join Odd Fellow Lodges? And that's Mm -hmm. a change that was made in 2000, came into effect in 2001. So in my jurisdiction in Washington, we saw a huge bump in membership that happened as the wives of all of these Oddfellows finally went and joined the Oddfellows Lodge. And it's created some really interesting situations for our upper branches. Uh, Above the regular subordinate lodge, which would be similar to the Blue Lodge in Masonry, we have a body called the Encampment. And it used to be there were separate encampment bodies for Oddfellows and Rebecca's. Oddfellows would join an encampment. Rebecca's would join a ladies encampment auxiliary. Well, it so happened that with female members of the Oddfellows, females could then join the encampment. And so they became patriarchs of an encampment, even though they were female. And we actually elected a female grand patriarch as leader of our grand encampment in Washington one year because all of a sudden, with women coming up on that side of the order, we could have women in leadership positions. And there have been a few female grandmasters uh, of Grand Lodges in Odd Fellowship. And we also, just at the 2019 session of the Sovereign Grand Lodge, elected Michelle Heckert as our first female Sovereign Grand Warden. So in a couple of years, she'll be our first female Sovereign Grand Master. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the things that really differentiates Odd Fellowship from Masonry, uh, because as Odd Fellowship goes, it was always focused on being a group that was doing something to engage with primarily working people, and so as things have changed, engaging with working people has changed. Uh, for example, uh, my associate lodge Buckley seventy five. We have a group of elevator maintenance guys who belong to that lodge. Frequently, they stay late at work, and when they come to lodge, they still got their Carhartt work clothes on. So we just (laughs) throw a collar on them and say, All right, brother, come on in. (laughs) I know one of the things
4: in Freemasonry, depending on which appendant body we belong to, there are certain things. That we t- financially try to do, like with Tall Cedars, muscular dystrophy, uh, with the Grotto, uh, help for dental programs for uh, uh, people, for young people, basically. And one of the things that I captivated me, since I'm an old man who has arthritis, you folks every year give a sizable amount of money through your arthritis advisory board. And we do. A big amount of money. Uh, to rigid visual research, which I think is fantastic. To me, both of those are old age problems.
1: Well, if you ever look at a program for a Grand Lodge session, uh, you'll notice that our membership does tend to skew a little bit on the older side. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when I went to Sovereign Grand Lodge the first year, which was 2018 in Baltimore, uh, I was looking through the program. You know, it was the commemorative program for the 200 years of odd fellowship in North America. So it was collector's edition, you know, nice pictures and advertisements. They were all diabetic supplies, uh, compression socks, electric scooters, uh, you know, things that an older population would tend to be interested in. Uh, we haven't had any advertisements from funeral parlors yet, but, uh, you know, that is that is actually a, a traditional partner for Odd Fellows Lodges because uh, one of the tenets of Odd Fellowship is to bury the dead. So you frequently see cemeteries with IOOF or Odd Fellows uh, or some other name connected to Odd Fellowship on them. Um, but we do support some very big projects at the Sovereign Grand Lodge level, Uh for, as far as visual research goes, uh, we have an endowed chair at Johns Hopkins University at the Wilmer Eye Institute, and that is the Odd Fellows Chair. And so, any Odd Fellow anywhere in the world who has uh, some sort of a vision problem, they get priority for a case review at the Wilmer Eye Institute. From that, so if you're an oddfellow, Fellow, you have some sort of special eye problem. Uh, you know, beyond the usual cataracts or nearsightedness, uh, you go right to the front of the line as far as getting your case reviewed by our professor at Johns Hopkins. And we also give uh, on the order of several million dollars to the Arthritis Foundation every year as a result of our grassroots fundraising efforts. Each jurisdiction has an arthritis committee and they're in charge of raising money for the Arthritis Foundation for that jurisdiction. And so we aggregate all of that at the Sovereign Grand Lodge level and give a big donation to arthritis every year.
4: That's awesome, that's cool.
0: So let's take a quick break uh, here from at least one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back uh, with more um, from uh, Toby Hansen and hearing more about the Independent Order of Odd Fellows.
3: At the historic Smithton Inn of of Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistlefinch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions just minutes from the of Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life. One that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtonin.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster
0: Dave. And we're back with Toby Hansen, uh, the sovereign grand musician of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. Um, Toby, tell us a little bit about a comparison, if you would, between uh, kind of your knowledge of Freemasonry and that of the Odd Fellows. I'm sure there
1: are many similarities. There are a lot of similarities. As you can imagine, with any kind of organized fraternal order, There are similarities. And to give you an idea, um, I'm from the Seattle area, and the Fraternal Order of Eagles was founded in Seattle in 1898. Um, That was originally a group of theater owners uh, who were trying to break the actors' union, and they would have a meeting at one of the theaters downtown that had an eagle on the curtain. And so they formed a little club and said, okay, we're the Fraternal Order of Eagles. But since the only knowledge they had of fraternal orders was that several of the members happened to be odd fellows, they basically adopted everything in odd fellowship, changed all the names and said, okay, instead of an inside guardian, you're an inner guard. And instead of a noble grand, you're a president, even right down to the regalia, originally Eagles lodges would wear collars to indicate rank in a lodge, just like odd fellows do. So, as you can imagine, there is a lot of similarity between any kind of fraternal orders. Odd Fellowship and Masonry basically both come from the same source. Now, everybody has their favorite made-up origin story. My favorite made-up origin story of the Odd Fellows is that it goes back to the Roman Legionnaires in 59 A.D., and Emperor Nero granted them a charter to sort a mutual protection agency. So they would all pool a certain amount of their wages and then help hmm. each other out. You know, if a soldier died in combat, they would take care of his widow and children, etc. That's completely bogus. The real roots of Odd Fellowship go back to 17th century England. Just like with masonry, you had people in a trade – who got together to protect the trade with odd fellowship. You had a bunch of people who didn't belong to a trade, but they wanted the benefits of a mutual aid association. So they got together and they said, okay, you're a baker, you're a butcher, you're an ox team driver. We will all come together in lodges, pool our our resources and help each other out. The oldest set of records that survives from an Oddfellow Lodge, I believe, is the Loyal Rose of Sharon Lodge from 1649. Basically, they had a presiding officer, uh, a vice presiding officer. There was a warden who kept order in the lodge room, collected donations. They met at pubs, and they would eat and drink and have a little meeting And then they would collect money, put it into the kitty. And then when one of their members fell on hard times, they'd help each other out. So the the whole name Odd Fellows came from this odd and assorted collection of fellows of different crafts. You know, you have, um, you know, the craft of Freemasonry. Well, we don't have a specific craft or a specific um, occupation that any of the original members belong to. So if you wanted the benefits of a guild, but you didn't have enough tradespeople to form your own, you joined the odd fellows. So that came to North America in eighteen nineteen with a man named Thomas Wildy. He came over here and he said, Okay, I miss being an odd fellow. He was a coach spring maker. He landed in Baltimore, put an ad in the newspaper and said, Are there any other English odd fellows here? I want to start a lodge. And fortunately, he found four other Odd Fellows in Baltimore. They started Washington Lodge Number 1, which still exists. And from there, Odd Fellowship grew very rapidly. So coming from that kind of common background of working people helping each other out, Odd Fellowship adopted many of the things that were common of the early beginnings of fraternal order. Now, if you look at the United Grand Lodge of England, that was founded in 1717. Mm -hmm. So you got got a little over 300 years of organized, structured masonry from that. Masonic lodges came to North America very early on uh, with English settlement and colonization. Odd Fellowship was a little bit later to the party. I had the opportunity to look... At and participate in the 1821 initiation ritual of the Odd Fellows. We did it uh, last year at Sovereign Grand Lodge, and it was in many ways much closer to what you would find in a Masonic lodge. Uh, Noble Grand as the presiding officer, Vice Grand <laughs> as the uh, vice presiding officer. And an officer that we don't have anymore in Odd Fellowship, but you'd be very familiar with, and that is a Mm Tyler. Now, in contemporary Odd Fellowship, we have inside and outside guardians, scene supporters. We have a warden and a conductor uh, and a chaplain. But most of that reorganization was a result of changing the degrees as happened in the latter half of the 19th century what came to America originally was a lot closer to what one would find in a Masonic lodge at the time, because they came from that sort of common fraternalism that was starting out in England. One of the big things that differentiated Odd Fellowship from Masonry was something else you're familiar with, which is the whole anti-Masonic movement. Uh So what happened was, a lot of masons were spooked. They left masonry and they said, well, the next best thing is odd fellowship. So at that time, starting in the 1830s through the 1880s, we had this influx of Masonic ideas. Odd fellows have always worn collars in the lodge to denote rank and station. All of a sudden in the 1840s, odd fellows aprons started showing up. Ah. And so in some of the historical collections, uh, you will find these beautiful red aprons with the all-seeing eye in gold brocade. (laughs) And you look at that and you go, wait, where did that come from? (laughs) Well, it came from the Masonic influence on odd fellowship that came in with the whole anti-Masonic movement. It makes sense. So you jump forward a little bit later by the 1880s, we've gone (laughs) through the civil war And Odd Fellowship was really looking to distinguish itself because Freemasonry had really reestablished itself and was growing and becoming a very vital organization. So at that time in the 1880s, the rituals were revised to really kind of codify um, a distinct flavor of Odd Fellowship. So aprons were gotten rid of at that time. Uh, Callers became very ornate. We adopted the structure of having a subordinate lodge and encampment above that as being sort of the esoteric, philosophical, um, quasi-spiritual branch. And then above that, the Patriarch's Militant, which would be uh, a uniformed military-style drill and parade unit. And so that's the structure that Odd Fellowship still has today. Any mason who accidentally happened to wander in an, into an odd fellows lodge would look around at all the stations in the lodge and go, Oh yeah, I know who goes there. I know who goes there because the actual setup of the lodge room is very similar, which is why it's very common to see <laughs> odd fellows and masons meeting in the same halls. Cause it's the same basic setup for the lodge. You know, you take the three links down, you put the square and compass up all of a sudden it's a Mason's lodge.
0: Interesting. So you've mentioned um, a little bit about the structure of the Odd Fellows. I know within Freemasonry, um, particularly in the United States, we're unique in that our, I guess, our state level Grand Lodges serve as the, for lack of a better term, the supreme or, or the supreme order of the uh, uh, the group. Um, is that the same in Odd Fellows, or is there a national kind of
1: umbrella? It's different in Odd Fellowship. Um, one of the things from that reorganization in the 1880s was the idea that we wanted a vertically integrated system. In masonry, you've got many different dependent bodies. Mm-hmm. And so there isn't. A whole lot of coordination necessarily between them you know There's so many things for a master mason to join you can go join royal arch and scottish right there's tall cedars of lebanon there's the grotto there's the shrine there's just this wonderful constellation of groups to join odd fellowship was always very much organized from the top down Once Thomas Wildey chartered the first lodge in Baltimore, it took him about two years before he chartered a Grand Lodge of Maryland, and then a couple more years when he chartered the Grand Lodge of the United States. And so the Grand Lodge of the United States, which eventually became the Sovereign Grand Lodge with the addition of Canadian and overseas Grand Lodges, became the world standard bearer for Odd Fellowship. So when our ritual changes, when there is a change in the code, when anything happens, it happens at the sovereign Grand Lodge, which is made up of representatives of all of the Grand Lodges all over the world. In North America, every state and uh, almost every Canadian province has a Grand Lodge. The Atlantic provinces have one combined Grand Lodge. There's a Grand Lodge in the Philippines. There's one in uh Each state in Australia has their own Grand Lodge. And then there's a Grand Lodge of Australasia, which covers all of the Grand Lodges on that side of the Pacific. There are also Grand Lodges of the European countries that have Odd Fellowship. All the Nordic countries, Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Iceland, they all have Grand Lodges. Switzerland has a Grand Lodge, Germany, Uh, I think Poland has its own Grand Lodge now, too. The Netherlands, they have a Grand Lodge. And then those send representatives over to the Sovereign Grand Lodge. So that is the worldwide leader of Odd Fellowship.
0: Got it. Okay. So before the show tonight, you were talking about um, the independent order of Odd Fellows versus another group. Tell me a a little bit about them just for a comparison
1: well there's three groups of odd fellows in the world now there's the manchester unity of odd fellows and that's based in the uk so that is one of the original groups that grew out of the odd fellowship movement of the 16th and 17th centuries manchester unity is ultimately what granted the charter to thomas wilde to come to America and start the independent order of Odd Fellows. Originally, those first American lodges were part of the main Odd Fellowship that was going on in England. But at a certain point, they broke with the English Odd Fellows and said, no, we're going to establish our own order. And that's where the word independent comes from. So the independent order was an offshoot of that. Well, if you know your fraternal history, you know that there was a point in England where the monarch was afraid of secret societies. Mm-hmm. That caused a lot of Masonic lodges to go dark, go underground, and the same thing happened to many Oddfellows lodges. Well, once they were allowed to start meeting again, many of the different small orders of Oddfellows started to group together. So there was a patriotic order, there was a loyal order of Odd Fellows, there were these different small groups. They all merged together ultimately to form the Grand United Order of Odd Fellows. Now, in North America, the Grand United Order of Odd Fellows ended up being the African American version of Odd Fellowship because mm-hmm. unfortunately the independent order early in its history in America decided this is an organization that may espouse universal brotherhood. But we're not going to allow anyone other than pure white people in the order. And I've actually read some of the previous journals from the Sovereign Grand Lodge where they argued about questions such as, what if someone from Syria wants to join the Odd Fellows? Is that considered full white blood? Or what if someone from China wants to join the Odd Fellows? What if someone from North Africa wants to join the Odd Fellows. So there were these questions that kept coming up. Because of that, when African Americans wanted to join Odd Fellowship, they were rebuffed by the independent order. They went over to England, where the Grand United Order was very active, and got a charter from there. So just (laughs) as you have Prince Hall Masonry, Uh we have... Grand United Order Odd Fellowship in North America, and the Grand United Order is still going. Uh, Peter Ogden came over with a charter from Liverpool and started the first uh, Grand United Order Lodge in Philadelphia in 1843. Grand United Order is still going. Uh, Like all other fraternal orders, they have declined some, but they are still very active and they're starting to grow in a lot of places particularly places that have a large african-american population because that sort of golden age of fraternalism that provided a great deal of relief for african-americans is being rediscovered in that community
0: so if someone wanted to um know learn more about the odd fellows and maybe even after listening tonight say oh that sounds like something that i would like to be a part of where where could they go to find out more information
1: well the first thing that i would say since they're listening to a podcast uh download a podcast about odd fellowship uh i am a co-host of the three links Oddcast, which i co-host with brothers sergio paredes and ainsley heilich it's available on all the major podcast platforms just Look up Three Links Oddcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, etc. You can also look up the website for the podcast, which is threelinksodcast.com. And uh, we got a website there. We have a really great episode that is going to be coming out in time for Halloween, which is about the Odd Fellows Rest Cemetery in New Orleans, because we do have a wonderful tradition of cemeteries. Also, you can go to our Sovereign Grand Lodge website. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, interesting information, historical background. We've got our list of famous Odd Fellows there. You can find that at iof.org or also at odd-fellows.com. Um Look around on Facebook, many lodges, many grand lodges. Uh, They have Facebook pages now, so you can look and see what's going on in your local Oddfellows Lodge. Uh, The one thing that I would say is for anybody out there who's really excited and wants to become an Oddfellow now, be patient. Because of the pandemic, it is even slower for making contact with lodges and starting to get involved. But I can promise you, It is definitely worth it, and Odd Fellowship is a wonderful complement to Freemasonry. Whereas Odd Fellowship tends to be more about operative ideas, uh, taking care of one another, doing good in the community, that is a wonderful complement to the kind of speculative things that Masons do. I know that we've greatly benefited in Odd Fellowship, uh, by having wonderful relations with uh, Freemasonry as a group and individual Masons on a personal level.
4: That's awesome. That's really awesome.
1: All right. Well, uh, Toby, we
0: really appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, I certainly have learned a ton about the Odd Fellows uh, that I only peripherally knew um, anything at all. Um, and so we look forward, to, actually, I'm going to go listen to your podcast when we're done here because it sounds interesting. I'm always looking for different podcasts to listen to when I'm driving. So, um, we do appreciate you being with us tonight and, uh, we look forward to maybe having you back sometime. We can, uh, we can talk some more.
1: Well, thank you so much. I would like to close with one little anecdote that I particularly enjoy about Odd Fellowship. And that regards uh, President Rutherford B. Hayes, who was an odd fellow. After he was done with his term as president uh, in 1881, he returned to Fremont, Ohio, which is where he made his home, and he went back to Lodge, and he happened to show up to Lodge on a night when they were nominating and electing officers for the Lodge. And of course, as soon as he walked in the Lodge Hall, everyone was just awestruck that a former president of the United States was a member of their lodge. And so he walked in and immediately the lodge insisted he had to be elected noble grant. And he said, no, no, no brothers. I am. I'm done with public service. I just finished four years as president. It was a difficult term. I am happy to just sit on the back benches here. But no, it was a unanimous vote, and he had to serve a term as noble grand as soon as he was done as president of the United States. Which goes to show you, service to your lodge is never done. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) That's true. true. That is so true.
1: All right.
0: Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to hear from our sponsors and probably the news, and then we'll come back and uh, wrap up tonight's show. Awesome. Awesome. As far back as the mid-1800s, records exist describing the pre-meaning tradition of brethren smoking cigars during and after gatherings. To this day, the practice of smoking cigars remains very much alive in many lodges. This custom is considered a time for brethren to relax, exchange ideas, and enjoy the simplicity and fellowship that is the very essence of our brotherhood. This is what Hireman Solomon Cigars is all about. Our starting principles are to bring Masonic brethren together in the harmony of a good cigar. Pull up a chair, sit back, light up any of our premium cigars, and enjoy the history. Hiram and Solomon Cigars can be found at fine cigar retailers. For a complete list, visit HiramAndSolomonCigars.com or check them out on social media to find out when they'll be at a live event near you. Hiram and Solomon Cigars is pleased to be the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast.
3: In Masonic News Today, in November of 1789, President and Brother George Washington decreed that there should be a national day of thanksgiving for the many blessings God had seen fit to bestow upon this new nation. Brother Benjamin Franklin proposed that the turkey be recognized as the symbol of the nation, it being a cunning and prolific bird native to these shores. After mature deliberation, our founding fathers finally agreed they should instead stuff and eat the bird, and that Franklin was drunk and should probably go home and sleep it off. That's the Masonic news. Go wash your hands.
4: <laughs> true story. It's a true story. That's good.
2: All right, Jack. I mean, uh, Larry. What do you? What do you have coming up Masonically in the next couple of weeks? The next couple
4: of weeks. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I think Tall Cedars. And uh, which I will be going to. And uh, I know I will be at Goose and Gridiron next Thursday. What? Why do you know why do you know that? Because I I promised Brian Hill if I don't go, I'm dead meat.
3: That makes perfect sense. Everybody, thanks. Thank you, Larry. It was perfect. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, maybe we ought to check with brother Fatih to see if uh, he has a private room. Maybe we can relocate to Ifarda.
3: Uh, I think that would be a lovely idea. But no one will come because oh. Effort is on the other it's- side of the force field. Nobody's coming so, yeah, there. Have you seen the one Simpsons our- movie? Did you-, did you guys see the Simpsons movie? The, the big dome over Springfield? That's Effort.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's perfect. Yeah. So for
2: our listeners, one of our Masonic brothers, um, he's in the restaurant business and he just has spent all of COVID expanding and bought a new restaurant in Ephrata and has totally like done all the physical physical work himself.
3: And posted it, lots it's of called pictures. the Cloister Restaurant. And anybody uh, who's listening um, and interested mm-hmm. in supporting a brother, um, come on out. He's opening on uh, November the 16th. Which is probably the day this episode will drop. So uh, inundate him with your Masonic goodliness and support. Um, support everybody that you know that's amazing, that's got a business. This is going to be tough times. Um, it's going to continue I, I like, to be tough times.
2: I like that we call him Fatih because that's his name, but right. all of the all of the profane in the area just call him Mike because. <laughs> well, get out! Really? Yeah, they just call him Mike. Yeah, because, we call him you know, Mike
4: too. Depends.
2: Because they don't take the time to learn his real name. Uh, and it just it's, seems it's, it's more American, it's, I guess.
3: <laughs> it's so <laughs> real. Oh,
2: dear. That's so Lancaster County. By the way, uh, I'll
4: put a plug in for him. His food is really, really very, very good.
3: Oh
2: yeah.
4: And be prepared Absolutely. to take a box home because they give you so much food you can't eat at all. Can we bill him for this, by the way? No, we he had... didn't. Not yet. Right.
2: We have, we have yet. to give him some business and then maybe next year we get him in <laughs> the all right, we're going to do that. Uh, Josh, right.
5: what's going on with you? Uh, not too much. We're getting ready to uh, do some degrees next month. So we're going to be yeah. brushing up on that stuff. Um, we got School of Instruction coming up. I guess we're doing that at. Um, well, I guess we're doing like a little breakout School of Instructions. Um, so yeah, School of Instructions, Schools of Instruction. Uh, we're going to be doing that at Millersville. With I guess Charles M. Hell Lodge and I think Columbia Lodge, not sure.
4: Question, but Josh.
5: Yeah. What's up?
4: Is um, there going to be a change of command in December?
5: Uh, no, I'm going to be uh, doing a third year. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do twenty, gonna do 20
5: second second and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'm
2: going to call you Chris Gibson for the rest of the year. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat>
4: yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Brother Tim,
2: right. Brother Tim, what do you have going on?
6: So, over the next couple of weeks, um, really just preparing for um, the Valley of Harrisburg's face to face reunion on Saturday, November the 21st. Um, we invite everyone, uh, in central Pennsylvania or actually across Pennsylvania if you're free that day and can come. Uh, we will have, uh, social distance seating and masks and the salon. so on. Uh, so, looking forward to that. Got several rehearsals in the lead up to that. Uh, and Ubar Grotto is having their, um, election, I believe on Sunday, November the 22nd. And, um, and someone close to our podcast is running for office. So, uh, Let's turn out and support Jack and his bid. Um, So um, anyway, uh, that's about all I've got coming up uh, between now and Thanksgiving. Um, We'll have some things coming up immediately after that on our next episode, but uh, that's about it for now.
2: Well, that's awesome. How about you, Jack? What do you have going on?
3: I am going out of town. So I'm going up to uh, Boston to visit the kids up there and play with the grandbaby and Maybe wait around long enough for the next grandbaby to hatch. That would be
4: cool.. Whoa. Ooh.
3: Yeah, she is she, <laughs> she is looking a little bit like she's swallowed a yoga ball right now, so she's, she's
4: he, ready. He, This is going to be a grandson, correct?
3: That's correct.: Oh.: We'll have to call him Demole or something. <laughs> now, did things didn't end well for that guy. Well, that's
2: true. But he was a pretty important guy. We're still talking about him. So True, true. Uh, so what do I have going on? Um, I don't know. Tall Cedars. Uh, that's about it. So who knows? Larry. yo, take us home? You have, uh, can you take us home because it's a weird episode and I want to watch some Sherlock on Netflix. Yeah,
4: me too. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. You ready? Cue the chickens. Special thanks, Everton Lodge 665, for making our studio. Storing our equipment. Hopefully, we'll get back there one day. Thanks to Josh Lamberton, our producer and director. Thanks to Jack Harley, our news director. Tim Dedman, our marketing director. And our Masonic Light contributors, Michelle Snyder, Jim Stevens, and Doug Maddenford. I don't really have a whole lot to say. I was going to do some uh, staff changes, but I decided they were lame. So basically, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks are again to our Patreons who really help us do a lot of good things. So this is Larry Maris saying uh, good day, good night, wherever you are. Bye, That's it, Larry? I'm done. Larry, that was, was wrong. I was
3: wrong. That was really sincere, though, Larry. I liked it. It was
4: good, solid. All I like right. it. Well, don't don't expect that every show. We we Larry.
3: Uh, say we it, Pete. Do it, please. Do it. Say it.
4: Larry,
2: we need bourbon to get you're much better with alcohol.
4: Yes. Yes. And you know I have a bottle out in the kitchen. Really, so I I should have had some beforehand. Okay. I'm oh, clearly Alright, Josh, you got this recording. Alright. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hi! Hi! night,
3: everybody. Hi, everybody.
4: Hi, everybody.
3: Keep it square.